This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanen, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 89, and I am interviewing Crystal Thompson about how the body positive movement can be more inclusive, what it means to practice body positive yoga, how it can help you heal your body image, and details on our upcoming virtual workshop, The Self-Care Shakedown. The Self-Care Shakedown is a 90-minute workshop blending yoga and coaching to help you feel a little more awesome in your body, and we give you lots of details about what that is all about later in the show. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this podcast at summerinandin.com forward slash 89. That's eight nine. Before we begin, I just want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast if you haven't already done so. Leaving a review helps others to find the show and the information that you're learning here. I've been so grateful for all of the new listeners and subscribers and all of the new reviews. Please do keep them coming because they help others to find this show. You can do that by heading to iTunes, searching for Fearless Rebel Radio, and clicking Rating and Reviews, and then click to leave a review or give it a rating. Or you can go to summerinandin.com forward slash FRR to the Fearless Rebel Radio homepage, and there's a direct link there. Second, if you haven't already done so, you can get the free 10-day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. And if you can't wait until the end of this episode to hear about the self-care shakedown, just go to selfcareshakedown.com. All the fun is going to be happening on Tuesday, May 23rd. And if you can't make that date live, you will get a recording. It's awesome. We did one back in January and it was incredible. So that's why we are doing another one for the spring, and it would make a really good present for Mother's Day for yourself or for your mom. Today's guest is Crystal Thompson. Crystal is a professional yoga therapist and intersectional body positivity activist. Crystal's work focuses on helping people to be in good relationships with their body while recognizing that there are systems of oppression working to undermine feelings of self-love and worthiness. Her work rests on the belief that all humans are worthy of love and respect, and as we do the work to feel better about ourselves and to better love and respect ourselves, we are able to offer more love and respect to the world. As we are healed, so is our world. Crystal's message is, now is the time to step into your own power, for we must. I want to help you step into your power. The world needs you. Crystal is a settler Canadian currently living and working on the traditional unceded lands of the Yellow Knives Dean on Chief Drygeese territory. Crystal is awesome. She's been a colleague and friend of mine for a while, and I'm super pumped to have her here today. I think you're going to learn a lot and love her perspective. So let's get started with this show. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the show. Hi, Summer. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. We've collaborated on the Self-Care Shakedown, and we're going to be running another one of those, but you haven't been on the podcast before, and it was like, now is the time to have you on the podcast. Yes, and I'm so happy to be here. Yep. 
Yeah. So I'd love, I'd love you to tell our listeners how you got into this line of work and how you got into body positivity. So I was somebody who was bigger bodied from a really young age. One of my first diet when I was like 10, well, I had a doctor put me on a diet when I was 10 and, um, you know, just like went for, you know, 20 years, just 25 years, you know, just trying to fix and change my body and really believed like, of course I should to be healthier and I wouldn't want to be unhealthy. And if I've ever have health problems, it must be related to my weight. And so I went on, went on that journey and then, and then I you know, it wasn't really body positivity wasn't really out there in the world. Like that term, I hadn't really heard it. But what happened was I had Louise Hay in my head telling me the only diet one should ever go on is a diet from negative self-talk. That's a pretty radical thing. So that's really like, that really got me started. And I'd been like doing all these restrictive diets to try to heal myself and working out with a personal trainer. And, you know, and then it was like, it was like one of those like bottom moments where I like crashed hard because after a year of like super restricting my life, making my life like super small, you know how it's like, there's that beautiful metaphor of like, we're trying to make ourselves smaller. And as we do, it's like our lives also collapse in on themselves because we can no longer go out and be social. And like, for me, it was like, I, it was summer and I was wanting to do all these canoe trips. And it's like, how do I make sure I'm still burning enough calories and eating the right foods on all these canoe trips I was going on? Yeah. And so my life just got started getting smaller and it was a year of that. And I had lost two pounds at the end. And I was like, fuck this shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I went up to like a river. I like drove my car out to this like river in the middle of nowhere and just like screamed, screamed at the river and was like, I am done. And it was so it came from a place of like, you know, real desperation, really. Mm-hmm. And really being like, holy, I just can't do this anymore. And it's really not working. And then it was around that time that I decided to become a yoga instructor and yoga had already been really helping me with mental health generally. And then I did in preparation for my yoga teacher training, I was practicing yoga every single day for over a year. And I just saw without trying this shift happen in my brain that I was like, oh, maybe I'm more than just the way my body looks. Mm-hmm. You know, and like maybe my body is more than the way it looks and like, oh, maybe I can appreciate my body for being the home I get to experience this life in and for all the amazing things it does for me and all the amazing things it can do and as opposed to the things it's not doing that I see or that really that society is putting on me. And and so then that's really when I got started in that in the, that kind of movement, although I didn't see it as a movement back then. And then it was like, I went to, you know, really what helped was like reading intuitive eating and going to Jess Baker's, the first body love conference that she had in, um, Tucson in 2014. Oh, nice. And meeting all these amazing people there, like Sonia Renee Taylor and the world famous Bob and, yeah, just and then started really getting into body positivity and a fat acceptance and healthy at every size and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you because you mentioned at the beginning that you, you had this belief that health and weight were were intertwined. Yeah. And um, my, my question was going to be, what have you learned about that? Yeah, that that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Bottom line. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm like, again, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of the um, system of capitalism and, you know, systems of oppression that, that want us to believe that too. <laughs> and I think people are making a lot of money off of that. And so, fuck, why, why would they want that other, an, a different message to get out there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so you mentioned that when you, when you discovered yoga, that shift happened in your brain. Now, did you have a really good instructor that was teaching you self-compassion and mindfulness from a place of, of self-love or, or did you do this on your own? I'm curious because diet culture is really in bed with yoga culture in in a lot of places. Oh my God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like today, like today, this, you know, this crystal, like whenever I think about going into a yoga environment, I'm always like, Oh God, do I really, I, I don't know if I fit in. Like I, and I really don't feel like I do. Cause there's so much like eat kale. You're good now. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like, it's so prevalent. Like I just went to a yoga conference in February and I, you know, it's really hard to feel like I still feel it fit in, in that community. And I, Absolutely. I feel like yoga is so intertwined with this like health one, you know, like yoga is healthy. Thinness is healthy. Eating a certain diet is what is healthy. And then also that like health is the the key, you know, to happiness. And, you know, like if, if you are struggling with health that, that, you know, that's a problem. Like, I just also think we can, unlinking these concepts of health and happiness to you is like another thing that's really out there that, you know, some of us have chronic illness that mm-hmm. we're going with through the rest of our lives. Does that mean that we need to stop like that? Those things can't go together. We can't be happy still. Like I, yeah, I, I don't want that to be linked. <laughs> right. And it's, it's also, yeah, I think it's also a very ableist perspective to yeah. wish health and happiness. Like you hear a lot, well, as long as she's happy and healthy and you, and you see that a lot in the body positive sphere too. Like when a, when a larger yeah. body is shown, you know, the, the, a lot, t- a lot of times the reaction is, well, as long as she's healthy and, and happy, like, like that's a requirement. And for, yeah. for one, you know, health and happiness, your health does not dictate your worth. And happiness is not always a choice, or is it a constant? And it's very ableist to think that as well. Exactly. And like, I, at that talk I did recently, I, I kind of brought that up too. So if we, if we were to say when, when people are like, oh, okay, but if it, as if, fat, if that fat person's cholesterol is still good. And like this kind of came up with Tess holiday recently where she had the, the taxi cab driver, like shaming her and questioning her about her health. Well, what if her cholesterol is high, Uh, you know, like, and it's like, does she deserve to love her body any less? Is she worthy of less respect? Would you say that to a cancer patient? Like, because they have cancer, their body is less worthy of love and respect. Like we, we create these things that I, yeah, I don't think that that's the way that I want the world to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what, what would you like to see? I really want to like approach the world from a place of all, all beings are Mm -hmm. worthy of love and respect. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's a fundamental foundational intrinsic quality (laughs) that, that that's where we're starting from. And And I know, you know, like there are systems of oppression that 
are very invested in that not being the case. And there's many people who are, you know, benefiting from those systems of oppression and us not feeling worthy or good enough as we are. And, and so I think we got, we got to fight hard and it's, we're pushing against the status quo. And whenever we're pushing against the status quo, that's, that's a lot of work. (laughs) Yes. It's good work. I, and I think it's, I think it's still good work. I think it's, it might be, there might be a lot of work, but I just don't see any other choice, especially if you have a belief that humans and beings are worthy of love and respect as they are, they don't have to prove or do or behave in a certain way or look a certain way for love and respect, then how could you not fight for these things? Exactly. Yeah. And, and you mentioned like, there's many systems of oppression benefiting, like, can you just give your perspective on how, like, what what the benefits are? Like, how do people benefit from this? Oh, well, the, like, billion-dollar beauty industry and the billion-dollar <laughs> yeah. industry is, like, yeah. a really yeah. big one. Or, like, and, and, like, I mean, I was even thinking about this before we got on our call. Like, so we have body positivity really becoming more part of the mainstream now. And then, of course, there's this, there's this, uh, uh, like, opportunity, and I don't mean that in a good way, for it to be co-opted and for it to be tainted and for it to be used for capitalism and consumerism. So we have the the Weight Watchers, you know, magazine cover that's linking, you know, self-love, yes, self-love and like a body positive concept with your after body, you know, after weight loss body. And, and like, I think that there's going to always, that's again, there's the status quo pushing back, Mm -hmm. you know, here, here comes up body positivity, asking for the world to be different and saying, basically being like, nobody needs Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. And then Weight Watchers is going to come in and be like, okay, how can we take that message of asking for something different from the status quo and co-opt it for our own purposes? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's another way that I think, unfortunately, the powers that be can try to taint things to be for their own benefit too. Like when something good comes along. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the day that Weight Watchers claims themselves a feminist, I think I'm going to have to go to the river with you and (laughs) (laughs) and just not come back. (laughs) I don't think they've claimed that for themselves yet, but I feel like it's coming (laughs) at some point. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, and I and I know that that's super prevalent in in yoga culture. So I'd love to hear you talk about why body positive yoga is so needed. Well, first of all, for me, when I wanted when I was practicing yoga all the time, I was like, I kind of want to go on yoga teacher training just to deepen my own practice of yoga, and because of our culture around what does a yogi look like. I firmly believed I could not. I could not become a yoga instructor because of the size of my body. And it didn't matter that I was practicing yoga all the time. Didn't matter that I was reading the yoga sutras or studying the Bhagavad Gita. Like that didn't matter, which is fucked up, you know? (laughs) Yes. But those things didn't matter. It mattered that I needed to lose weight. And I like I actually said that to my yoga instructor at the time. I was like, I'm interested in going on yoga teacher training, but I, you know, I know I, I was like, I mean like I was in that phase where I was like apologetic almost for my body size, but I know I need to lose weight so that she can't say it before, you know, 
So I'm acknowledging my fatness, just in case you didn't think that I saw how fat I am and that I don't look like a yoga body. I'm going to make sure that you know that I know I'm fat and I'm not a yoga body. And so, you know, of course she was, she was really great and was like, that's not a thing. (laughs) And was like, I think that you'd be a great instructor. And also, you know, West, you know, she did a great job. And I don't think she maybe consciously was thinking about this, but you know, that's also Western culture and Western culture around yoga. So she was like, here's a picture of Gita Angar, a brown full-bodied woman. And also one of the, you know, highest, most respected yogis in the world. Mm. She is a larger, rounder, you know, brown woman. <laughs> like, wow. Not the thin, able-bodied, you know, white, affluent woman on the cover of Yoga Journal. And that's really what I saw back then. And I think that that is still the case. I haven't really been, I know Yoga Journal also tried to do some body positivity and body love work and bring that into their work. And I, that I, you know, I don't think that they did that very well either because again, what is selling and, and who is, who's buying ad space in their magazine and, and what are, yeah. Like what are they trying to sell with that magazine? So yeah, now I've lost track of the question. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I think what I'd love Can to I- circle that. I, yeah. Well, it was great. Cause I, I feel like it was really important to especially bring up the topic of, of, of yoga bodies and that being really a, a westernized version of, of what yoga is and how that's disconnected from the, the roots of what, what it really is. Yeah. But I'd love you to explain what body positive yoga is. For me, body positive yoga is a yoga practice that works to be as inclusive as possible and also is as anti-oppressive as possible. Mm-hmm. So for me, body positivity, body positive yoga includes like being aware of languaging in a yoga practice, being aware of knowing as many modifications as possible. And like my, my you know, belief that I rest on is that every body is capable of experiencing the benefits of yoga. And if you're breathing, you can do yoga. Like Mm -hmm. that is all, that is all being alive. You can do yoga and that there's always a modification for a pose so that everybody can experience those benefits too. If we're talking about the asanas, which again, our Western culture is so focused on asana and yoga is more than asana. And then, you know, so that's once people are in the space, but before even people come into a space, I think a yoga space, I think it's really important for people to feel comfortable to even come in. And when I think about what is the goal of yoga, I think that yoga for me, I want yoga to help heal the world. I want yoga to be a tool. And I think that that's the, the, the gift that yoga is, you know, yoga was offered to the West as a form of healing and has been, you know, modified to a, to a thing of consumerism and maintaining the status quo. But yoga is really, is a way of working on ourselves and, and working on healing. And so for healing to happen, I really believe that you need to feel safe. And so with these systems of oppression, they do not create safe spaces. And so I think a part of body positivity and part of body positive yoga is making sure that 
the spaces feel as safe as possible so that people know that this is an LGBTQ plus safe space, two-spirit safe space, that this is a space that seeks to be as anti-racist as possible, a space that is feminist as possible, a space that is working to decolonize yoga, decolonize the North America, supporting indigenous cultures that, that also like even that you're not holding on to yoga as yours, that you really see yoga as something is that is passing through you as the gift that comes from an Indian tradition, you know, and honoring that and, and being really aware of that. And what are you doing to what, where does it creep in, in your practice that you want to hold on mm-hmm. and do it as yours and, and take it on and, and instead allow things to kind of just pass through you. But yeah, hopefully that <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. And I know, I know one of the things that you do is, you know, you, because you live in the Northwest, Northwest Territories, which for a lot of people listening, they may not have had that geography lesson. It's, yeah, it's one of the territories of Canada. It's up, it's up, up top. And yeah. you bless the land, don't you? Or you, sorry, you recognize like the the land and 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 well I'll let you explain it because I think I yeah. read read on your website that that's what you do but <laughs> you're going to explain it better than me. One of the ways in which I try to uphold my value of decolonization and indigenization is to uh, recognize that I'm a settler Canadian and and that I get to live and work on the traditional unceded lands of the Yellowknives Dene and it's Chief Dragby's territory, and it's unceded tr- Treaty Eight territory. So I, I take I whenever I'm traveling, I take some time to say that like, this is where I'm from. Samba K is is the name of uh, the community I'm from in in the local language, and I really like to take a moment and really think about this that I'm a visitor on this land, and that it's a real honor to get to live and work here. It's such a beautiful land. It provides for us in so many ways and to see it in that way that, you know, I'm here, these lands were unseated, are unseated lands, and I'm a visitor on this land. And so I want to do my best to honor that and recognize that. So when I'm traveling, I always take some time to figure out, you know, sometimes we don't know whose land we are visiting and take some time to figure out whose land are you on and take some time to acknowledge and honor that too. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. And I think that you, you're, you're such a trailblazer in that way. I mean, I don't think I've ever been to a yoga class where they talked about inclusivity at all, or recognized, you know, the the land or anything like that. So I just I think you're doing such wonderful work. And I think I think it's becoming more and more and more prevalent. For example, when I was at that yoga conference back in February, there was a, a class where the instructor didn't recognize the land that we were on at first. And then somebody stood up to say, hey, it'd be really great if you could recognize the land we're on. And the I think that yoga instructor was not familiar with that practice. Mm-hmm. So was like, uh, would you like to lead us? You know, which is like, you know, good. Recognize where you're at in terms of your own education. Yeah. Then and then educate yourself. But so allowed this person to share that. And then that person also, you know, took some time to say, and I see here in this room other people who are indigenous to this land. And like I honored those people who are actually indigenous to the land in the space as well. And I think that that's 
I think that that was really cool to see that starting to happen. And just when I was at the Juno Awards at the end of or beginning of April, when the band July Talk won, and now I don't know if any of them are Indigenous, but they were winning outside of the Indigenous category too. And they took some time at the beginning of their acceptance speech to say, we, we want to honor the land that we're on right now and the Indigenous people of this land. So I feel like it's coming. And I and I see like it just being becoming more and more prevalent in our just in our culture to to do that. And I love it. And I'm so happy. And I think that reconciliation and uh, decolonization is going to be a like one of the big things that this generation and the generations to come are going to be really working on on healing. Mm hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think that that's, that's wonderful. And for those of you listening, the Juno Awards are like the Canadian version yes. of the Grammys. Yes. <laughs> and and your partner won. Yes, yes. Yeah, my partner won Best Indigenous Album of the Year. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's the name? So I'm going to link it in the show notes. Yeah, for sure. The name of the band is Quantum Tangle. And okay. they are incredible. They blend Inuit throat singing and uh, Indigenous storytelling and Métis Roots and Blues all together. That's and awesome. it's, it's incredible. It's extremely unique and incredible. And if you want something, a place to even start with looking at decolonization and indigenization, Quantum Tangle is a great place to start because they speak to ideas of blended, having a blended background and indigeneity and, and what does that mean for this generation? And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so pumped for you when you when um when you guys want not like you, but I mean sort of you indirectly, I right? It. I also often say we wanted you know. Yeah, but you did. It's very close to my heart, and like I like to support their work as much as I can. So, yeah, that's so yeah. so exciting. That's fantastic. And walk the red carpet. As both me and my partner are both bigger body people too, and my partner is trans, and so like just having trans representation, bigger body representation, indigenous representation, you know, I think that all those, like we were talking about with yoga, linking it back to like why is it important that there's body positive yoga? It's you know, representation matters, and being seen matters, and and it matters to see, be able to see yourself in people who are, are doing the kinds of things that you hope for your own life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So yeah. good. So yeah, let's talk about representation and inclusivity. Because I know that you feel very strongly about really coming to the core of what body positivity is all about, which is just all bodies being worthy of, of love and respect. But I know you've mentioned to me before that you've noticed how the body positive movement has been exclusionary to certain individuals. And I'd love you to talk about what you've noticed. Well, I mean, being somebody who's queer and being somebody who's in a relationship with a trans person, you know, kind of gives me that gift to be able to see those things a little bit of how different communities especially those communities are kind of left out of the conversation. And then the amazing Sam Dylan Finch wrote such great articles about, I need body, pos their, their article was called, I need body positivity too. And, and I, and I really believe that. And I, so I, you know, I think about if I can reference uh, conversations that have happened even in, in your group and and other conversations I've seen in body positivity groups. There's this idea that body positivity's roots being in fat activism and eating disorders. There's like this idea 
of, of not wanting to dilute the message. Mm-hmm. And, and I, like we've talked about already in this, in this, you know, our chat now, it's, I think that's really important. Like we don't want Weight Watchers stepping in and diluting the message and, and co-opting it and making more money off of it. And it's just the status quo all over again. Like that's not what we want. But I also think that it's really important for, like, I don't think that body positivity, just like the Black Lives Matter movement, isn't for all people. It's not for all bodies. It's uh, Black Lives Matter is not all, it's not all lives matter. Mm-hmm. But it's, but what I would parallel it to is white feminism versus intersectional feminism. We, we don't, the Black Lives Matter movement is not all lives matter, but it is Black Lives Matter, including the Black trans person, the Black fat person, you know, including the the Black, you know, poor person. Like, these issues are, they intersect. And, and I think it's important to recognize all marginalized groups when we're working on up-elevating a marginalized groups, you know, just in the same way that white feminism can often, like, exclude the intersection of other forms of oppression, you know, for people of color and women of color. So that's really what I'm thinking about when it comes to body positivity and intersectionality and inclusivity. And there's these, you know, really, you know, helpful. And I think phrases that were very helpful for body positivity in its earlier stages of change your, change the world, not your body. Mm-hmm. All bodies are good bodies. And I think that those things were like really helpful and they're really helpful for some people. But when we are wanting to be inclusive, if we, if we have that as our, our value, and I know I do that I'm willing to let go of a phrase that, you know, I felt was helpful for me if it makes, if it harms other individuals that I want to uplift, right? If I believe that all bodies are deserving of love and respect, then I don't want to hold on to this phrase and try to guard and protect it just because it helped me. I feel like I can find other ways of celebrating body positivity that aren't going to harm people who are already being marginalized. So, yeah. So I think it's important to be aware of languaging and aware of what we're doing in the body positivity movement. That's not including other groups. Can you yeah. just, can you elaborate? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm totally able to read through your lines, but oh, yes. um, just what, what is it about the phrase change the world, not your body and all bodies are good bodies. That's exclusionary. Yeah. So for somebody who has gender dysphoria for them, changing the world isn't going to isn't necessarily going to help them. So like for, for example, for my partner, say the world was like, got to this place was where it was like trans is awesome. And yeah, we acknowledge gender dysphoria and we getting a, having top surgery or going on hormone therapy, like all these things were really widely accepted. That wouldn't mean that my partner then would be like, cool, you know, like I don't need to do the things I, I need to do to like, I don't need to do those things that are changing my body to feel good. My mm-hmm. partner would still need to do that. Mm-hmm. They would still need to be on testosterone. They would still need to have had top surgery. Like they would still need to have had these things to feel good about their bodies because truly the body on the outside was not matching what was on the inside. Mm-hmm. And, and so change the world, not your body, that that just doesn't work. And when I think one of the big things too, is when we say that, then you know, like, it's like, you know, kind of almost condoning the idea of like, 
you just need to think harder or we just need to get you some better therapy so that you don't feel like you need to, you know, change your body. Like, or gender dysphoria is not a thing that really exists and we don't need to really do anything about it. You just need to fix what's going on in your brain. Mm -hmm. Like, and that just is not a reality. That is not a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. For trans people. And like, I know every, like when we lump together this idea of trans individuals and trans, the trans community, but it's an extremely diverse community too. So it's not, there's not going to be one answer. Like my partner's belief around that might be different from a different, from another trans person's belief around it. But in general, I think the trans community is like this idea of all bodies being good bodies. Like, it's so easy to take that and say, all bodies deserve love and respect. Mm -hmm. That's, it's so easy to just say that instead of all bodies are good bodies. Yeah, yeah. And, and instead of change the world, you know, or sorry, instead of. Yeah, change change the world, world, not your body. body, You know, instead of that, we can, you know, be like dismantle systems of oppression. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Let's dismantle systems of oppression for all people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Same as they change the world, dismantle the systems of oppression for all people, mm-hmm. <laughs> for all bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I've, I've certainly said all bodies are good bodies. I think it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely in yeah. my book. It's definitely in the podcast episode that I did on body positivity. So, you know, for me, it was just a blind spot, like just yeah. that oh, yeah. I yeah. didn't really, I really saw it through the lens of, of of weight, you know, and, 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 and of course, you know, my intention in saying that statement is all bodies are worthy of love and respect. And I'm pretty sure that's, that is elaborated every time I, I say that, but yeah, it's, it's just to be mindful of, of that, like something that I was not, that I was blind to because no one had ever said it, or I hadn't explored it from the perspective of a trans individual. So I think it's, really important to, you know, have, have these conversations so that we can all do better. And I, I mean, I think that that's like, there, there, that's the privilege, right? Like that's where we get blind spots when we, we have a certain privilege. So we don't experience that, that form of oppression. And so it's easy to be blind to those things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that doesn't make us bad people, and I don't think feeling guilt serves, you know, around any of that serves anybody. And I think that one of the greatest things a friend said to me too was like, lean into that discomfort, that it shouldn't feel comfortable, that we should be, that we should be constantly learning and that, that we're here, we all show up with privilege of some kind and, and we're, we're all working to like peel back those layers that of blindness. And as we learn better, we do better. And and I think that doesn't mean we don't take an active role in trying to understand what am I blind to? Like it's not like you just wait for those things to kind of show up in your life. You you do the work. You you reach out to the communities that you're not a part of to try and understand their perspective. I think that that's also you know that's also part of the work. And it's you're gonna. I think it's we we want to be right. We want to be good, especially if we're people who are trying to, we believe in human rights and we are trying to work for those human rights that it's hard sometimes to hear like we're, we've done something that didn't fit with our fundamental beliefs. But I think it's like this idea of trying to like let go of the ego and 
being open to learning more, being open to not being right, being open to doing better. And, and if we can stay in this very humble place of listening and, and doing better, I think, again, I think it'll serve that purpose of all bodies feeling like they really do deserve love and respect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said that so well. So I appreciate you talking to it from from that point and and yeah, saying to just be be humbled and be be open because that's how change happens. Yeah. I have a lot of amazing teachers around me. <laughs> I really do. I have mm -hmm. a lot of amazing teachers around me that I learn from every day and I am so grateful for those teachers because, you know, I I am not perfect. I am still learning and yeah, just happy to still be here doing learning. <laughs> yeah, well, because the last thing you want to do is like feel bad about something and then leave <laughs> or be like, well, I can't be a part of this movement. Like, come on. You know, yeah. that's that's yeah. super. That's super. Um, I mean, that's just your ego talking. Yeah. And I don't think that that does anyone anyone good. I mean, of course, this this is for everybody. But it's it's just learning to navigate it in ways that are more inclusive when you haven't been exposed to some of these perspectives before, which I don't think, uh, you know, a lot of people with privilege like myself, I'll speak for myself. I haven't, you know, my my. Yeah. It's it's been a process of of like reaching out and having people, you know, like yourself on the show and just talking to other individuals to 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 learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's how we that's that is how we do it. And and like what a what a gift that we get to have people who've had totally different experiences than us share that experience. I mm -hmm. think that that's, that's part of like the beauty of you know, getting to have this human experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what, what, what do you think needs to change? Or what else do you think needs to change to make body positivity more inclusive? Well, I think it'd be I think, yeah, I think some I think big pieces that are missing are around decolonization, and um, indigenous rights. I think mm. that I really would like to see that brought more into body positivity, trans inclusivity, I think would be also really great in the body positivity movement. And then, yeah, like I, the body is not, not an apology. Yeah. I don't know if you know that organization, mm -hmm. Sonia Renee Taylor, she uh, uses that term body terrorism. And like, I've been thinking about that one a lot too, that, that that's kind of like intersects with all these forms of oppression and that we want to like, I don't think I think it's racism is a body positivity aspect and that or is a body positivity issue. And I think that, you know, colonization is a body positivity issue because if the fundamental belief is that, you know, there's these that every human is deserving of love and respect, then then those things like, you know, the history of of racism and the history of colonization were really <laughs> really, um, <laughs> anti-body positivity. Yes. Yeah. And I think that there's even more work to be done in terms of acknowledging those things, but not just that, like uplifting, celebrating, creating space for it and not trying to hold, like being really aware of not trying to recolonize, you know? So, you know, we have, you know, the, right now in the, in the Northwest territories, definitely, there's a and and Nunavut, there's like a a resurgence of Inuit tattooing and there's a big project of 
uh, women going into the communities and starting to do Inuit traditional Inuit tattooing for women. And like the fear is that, you know, someone, someone, a, a person who's not Inuit might come along and be like, Oh, that's cool. I'll take that. You know, when they're not taking with it that whole history of oppression, that whole history of colonization. And so as we uplift Indigenous practices, as we uplift the Indigenous community, which I think is definitely a part of decolonization, not being really mindful of of not recolonizing, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, that whole history is there in yoga as well. You know, yoga has so much more to offer than what the, what the West kind of cherry picks <laughs> as uh, the things yes. that, yeah, as the things to put up as what is yoga, because we are a very visual society. We're a capitalist society, very focused on, this thinness and health. And so that is what is made as yoga. And that is not what is yoga. And I think decolonizing yoga too is, is a, is a really important practice in the body positive yoga practice as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, just quickly, you know, where, what's the disconnect with yoga? Like what, what philosophies within yoga are not being upheld or which ones do you want to see upheld more more frequently or in the mainstream or which ones should people watch out for? Well, I think coming back to the, the yogic philosophy, like yoga translates into English as union and it is the bringing together. It is the desegregation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that is the fundamental practice of yoga. So how, how beautifully does that fit with this idea of intersectional body positivity? Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I see that there's many in yoga, there's many things around the system of philosophy, the practice of being in this present moment, the practice of going inward, the practice of self-study. A lot of these things don't fit with this idea of capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. How do you settle being happy with what you have in capitalism? You can't, you know, how do you sell being in this present moment and practicing gratitude for what everything you have in this present moment, it doesn't, it can be co-opted into capitalism and selling things, but in, at its, if you maintain it in its pure form, like it doesn't fit. So, so I think that those things haven't really been, been brought into like the yoga mainstream as much, unless they're brought in, in a way, usually as a way of, Use yoga so you can be more productive at your job, <laughs> you know, yeah. use, uh, use yoga so that like one of the things that I, okay, sorry, I'm just going to go on another rant is that we, there's a lot of like demonizing of people for being very sedentary and demonizing people for having, not moving their body enough so that they don't have back pain. So like I work as a yoga therapist, right? And so I work with a lot of people with back pain and different issues that are brought about by habitual forms of movement or non-movement that we have in our society. But there's often this like shaming about that to our population, as opposed to like acknowledging that it's a system of oppression that usually is causing that. Like the reason that people sit all day at a desk with their, you know, hips at a 90 degree angle, causing that kink in their artery that is, you know, that sitting is the new smoking led to came from that study of, of how the blood flow is going through the artery 
at your hip joint at a 90 degree angle and cre- increasing plaque in that artery. And then that was leading towards more heart disease. So that, that came, that study was done. And then that sitting is the new smoking came out of it. Well, why are people sitting so much? They're sitting because they feel like they have to sit at a desk to be able to make money, to be able to live. Yeah. Right. And they feel that pressure and there's so much, one of the, another thing I, I really want to unlink is this idea of productivity being linked to our self-worth and, and that, that form that is very much there in our culture as a form of capitalism. And then it leads directly into my work as a yoga therapist that, you know, people can feel really bad that, oh yeah, I guess I don't move my body enough. You know, I don't do enough to like my back hurts, so I must not be doing enough. Well, it's not just that that it's also that there's a system of oppression that is leading into this place, you know, you know, you're serving someone else's being uplifted as you sit at your desk for eight hours a day. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I could go on and on about productivity and self-worth. Cause I, I, I talk about that in my, like with clients and, and stuff a lot. It's such a big thing as well. And I, but I feel like this is a perfect segue into our self-care shakedown. Oh Yeah. Yes, the shake down. <laughs> so this is a co-workshop with Crystal and myself, and it's a 90-minute workshop blending yoga and coaching to help you feel a little more awesome in your body. And we ran one of these workshops back in January or February, maybe? January. January. Wow. And yeah. it was it was amazing. People had a fantastic yeah. time. So we're we're doing it again. And it's going to be happening Tuesday, May 23rd at 12 p.m. Pacific. And if that conflicts with your schedule, you get a recording so you can you can do it afterwards. And so this is for people who always feel like they're putting themselves at the bottom of their to-do list, meaning they never actually do anything for themselves. This is for people who feel like their current state of self-care is just crashing into bed exhausted and never making time for themselves. This is for people who would love to practice yoga, but don't feel like it's accessible to them, don't feel like they can afford it or don't have time. And for people who want to find some movement and a way to incorporate things that are going to really nourish them into their life without it feeling like punishment. So that's why if you're like, hey, that sounds like me, then the self-care shakedown is for you. And I'll just tell everybody a little bit about what it is. It's 90 minutes. And what we do is Crystal will take you through a 30-minute body love yoga sequence. Do you want to explain that? Well, just to say that, again, if if you feel like yoga is not for you, then like, come see me. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I really, that is really my mission, as you've heard from this talk, and that I work, we will work with you beforehand too. Like, so if there's issues, specific issues going on in your body that you're like, oh, I don't know if I'd be able to do that practice. You know, if I know who's showing up for this practice, I will tailor the practice to your body and make sure that there's always an option for every body that, that comes to the practice. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And it's focused really on just being more compassionate to yourself. And because you get the recording, you'll be able to repeat it anytime, which is also awesome. And then it's followed by a 30 minute self care for self love tutorial by myself. And I walk you through how to reframe self care so that it feels easy and selfless and effortless. 
And so that you walk away with a personalized self-care plan. So you get a workbook as well. And then we have some Q&A time at the end where you can ask us anything and get personalized advice. And what makes it so awesome is that everyone who came before said it was awesome. That's what makes it so awesome. (laughs) I I was going to say too, I think what really makes the self-care shakedown unique and special is that um, it truly is like a shakedown. We're not self-care gets put out there as a buzzword for again, (laughs) you know, like practice self-care so you can still be that productive human that you are. And, and I think that both Summer and I's approach to self-care is very, very unique to you and, and kind of gets away from this idea of self-care is like bubble baths and this and this. It's very much like a tailored for you uh, system that Summer shares. And, and like, I think, you know, being somebody who, who it was, you know, some of my clients who knew me from before were on our first self-care shakedown. They were like, yes, like, you know, really into that aspect of, of the approach to self-care that it's, it's not like what a lot of people are selling out there is self-care mm-hmm. and it's very tailored and unique and isn't just this like cookie cutter version of, of what is self-care just in the same way the body, like, and that's why it works so well together. Our, our body positive yoga practice is also totally tailored for you and your body. And, and I think that that's, that what's, that's what makes this so unique. Um, the self-care shakedown. And that's why we called it the self-care shakedown. We're not doing things as they've been done, you know, previously, it's not going to be your, just your average self-care workshop. This is really I think it's really something special. Thank you. And I would say that your your yoga practice was so nourishing and relaxing and I love your listening to your voice when you're when you're guiding everybody. Like it was just yeah, I mean it was it was like so juicy if that's I know that might be a No. I <laughs> It was that is why I called my business the luscious life. Oh because, yeah, that's right. You know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So Tuesday, May 23rd at 12 p.m. Pacific, but you'll get the recording if you can't show up live. And we the, you know, the price point is super accessible. You can get all the details at selfcareshakedown.com. And this is a virtual event for those of you that were just curious. So we, it's held in a in a Zoom conference room. And so you'll get you'll see both of us and you'll be able to follow along with Crystal and and myself. And then we open up the chat after so that we can we can chat with you guys. And if you have questions throughout, then we're um, moderating that while the other person is presenting as well. So we can help you. And uh, we'd love to see you there. So get the details at selfcareshakedown.com. And I think an important thing about it too, is that it's not just a one-time thing. You have the recording and you can do the yoga practice over and over again, or re-listen to the guidance of summer and, and get those gems and uh, revisit those, the, those aha moments and gems that come from that. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's so great. That's why we're doing it again. And thank you so much for being here today. Crystal, is there anything else you wanted to add before we sign off? 
I don't think so, except that uh, I'm really I'm really happy to be here with you today. And thank you so much for creating the space for me to get to share these things. And I'm really interested in he- hearing any feedback anyone has to share. I'd love to hear from people. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to be shaking things up in my own world. And I'm really excited about putting that out there into the world. It's a little bit more real, a little bit more raw. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Where can people find more of you? Right now, more people people can find more of me at thelusciouslife.ca. Perfect. And I will link to that in the show notes, which will be at summerinandin.com forward slash 89. That's 89. And uh, there'll be a link to the self-care shakedown in there as well. And thank you again so much for being here. You know, I love you. So I'm really glad we finally got to do this together. Me too. Rock on. Crystal is so great. She is so fierce and passionate and I love everything that she does. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Remember, you can find all the links mentioned at summerinandin.com forward slash 89. And if you liked what you heard, come into the Facebook group and let me know. Tell me what you thought of the episode and what you want more of in future episodes. Thank you again so much for listening and I will see you next time. Rock on. Rock on.